I am Dr. Pamela Hinkle, and you are here on purpose, with a purpose, by design, not by default. And I am so excited tonight to have an amazing woman with me. She is an author, speaker, and much, much more. And so I want to just welcome to the Purpose by Design platform, Nicolette. Yay! Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you for the warm welcome. We have been enjoying just a little bit of, you know, pre-recording conversation and you are just such a, a genuine soul. I'm just like, I'm so touched to have you to share this presence with you. And so I'm excited to know more of your story and I know everybody else here is as well. So go ahead and start us out. Tell us a little bit more about you. I love to ask that first question to my guests and say, who are you? So Nicolette, who are you? Tell us about you today. Sure. My name is Nicolette Hemingway. I am a native of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I currently live in the Metro Columbia, South Carolina area. I am an author, a speaker, a business owner. I've been married for over 35 years to my handsome soulmate. We have one beautiful daughter and one adorable grandson. And an adorable grandson. I yeah. love that. Your grandma is what it's all about, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yes. It's a different level, different level. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're a business owner. Okay. So tell us just a little bit about the business that you own, and then we can get back into the rest of the story. Tell us about your business. Sure. My business is named Nike H Speaks, and it's a nickname that I go by. It's a lot easier than Nicolette. And we provide like career development tools. So we do interview preparation trainings. We also do resume writing tips trainings. We do mock interviews. We do attire selection. We do job search tools along with doing resumes itself. Wow. So you are a business owner, but you're an educator. You are teaching people how to advance in their lives and giving them lots of tools to do it. You're not just coaching them verbally, but you're really coaching them fully all the way around with all those tools that you're giving. And then of course, as a speaker, you've got lots to share. And as an author, you have all kinds of awareness and all kinds of information to download on people. So if you're looking for you know that type of coaching and education, you know, this, this gal right here, she's the one for you. And we have all of that in the description so you can follow up with her. But okay, let's get back to your story. I've heard like this much of it and I have a feeling that there's a lot more and that it is really awesome. So we know you're an author. We know that you also do speak and that you are a business owner and educator. But I know it hasn't always been that way. Tell us about your journey. Sure, Pamela. I'm from the generation where, you know, some of us got married very young and started our families very young. And so, you know, money wasn't always in the household. And so it was hard. 
trying to balance, you know, being a married woman, being a new mom and being a college student at the same time, I was juggling a lot of balls in the air. And so, of course, when you're a senior in college, you think you're going to rule the world. You're going to change everything and make it all right. And, you know, reality hits and it's like, mm -mm -mm -mm. you are no different than the next person who graduated the year before you. And so that was, you know, a little humbling experience where I was like, OK, you know, what do I do now? You know, I got that gold ticket, you know, that degree. Right. How can I put it to use? And so after a year of, you know, looking for jobs and trying to find myself, I was like, OK, let me go back to grad school. It'll be easier come out with that piece of paper and they're like, oh no, you knew, you need two or three years experience. And so I'm like, well, how do I get the experience if you don't hire me? And so that led to a series of, you know, just mediocre jobs, you know, just trying to, you know, get something to pay the bills, take care of my family. But inside, you know, I wasn't being fulfilled. It was like, what do I do now? You know, I have these degrees, but I'm not putting them to work. And so it took me actually leaving my home state of South Carolina and going out west to Phoenix, where my parents were, because they kept telling me, you know, there's so many job opportunities here. You can be able to work in your field. You know, your husband can work in his field. There are jobs plenty. So we're like, OK, let's pack up and let's go west, young man and young lady. And that's what we did. And they were right, you know, many opportunities for my husband and I to advance in our careers. And that actually led to me being commissioned in the military. So I came back east in the D.C., Maryland area and worked there for about 10 years until I medically retired from the military. And so it's like at another crossroads, I'm retired now. What do I do? And so when they had the big five feet snow in 2000, I told my husband, I said, dear, it's time to go. We don't have any family here. We don't have any ties here. Let's go back home. And so that's what we did. We moved back to South Carolina. A few years later, we became grandparents. And, you know, I did a career switch where I pretty much I worked full time for my grandson. And so I was just doing what I normally do for free the families and friends. And God told me last year, he said, you've been doing this free for over 25 years. I want you to turn this into a business. And I had my little Scooby-Doo look like, hmm? And so he was like, no, you know, you need to get paid for what you do. You've been doing this a long time, helping people, but you need to get paid for what you know and how you know it. And so that started me in the process of you know, setting up my business, you know, getting the LLC, you know, all this operating agreement, getting accounts and EINs. And so this is where I am now. And just some added things to it, you know, writing books, becoming a speaker. So doors opened up that I never expected. I never imagined. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. And, you know, what comes, what comes. But, you know, God has just opened up so many doors. He's blessed me in so many ways with the business, with the writing, with the speaking. I'm just still in awe of him and what he's been doing in my life through, you know, the different avenues. Wow. Well, I love what you just said. It made me chuckle. Um, just some added things. 
I'm thinking all that you have already accomplished and now there's just some added things. Um, what was that like? If I can back up the train here just for a moment. So you went to school, a higher education, you get all this education. I mean, you have, you went on, did you say master's degree or doctorate degree? How far did you Master's. Get? I actually worked on a doctor. I just hadn't finished it. I did all but dissertation, but it, it was, you know, something we grew up in a generation where, you know, our parents told us, get you a good government job, you know, get a shirt with your name on it, work your 30 years, you know, get that gold watch or gold pen and get your pension. And so we were never taught to be entrepreneurs. And so for me in my conversation with God, that's just I had to give him the Scooby-Doo look because it never entered my mind because we weren't taught to own our own business, to work for ourselves. We were always taught, you know, get you a good government job, whether it's city, state, county, federal, do that. That's your way mm -hmm. of, you know, securing your future in terms of, you know, you're getting a retirement, you'll have some benefits. So mm -hmm. it was a, a mindset that I had to switch from being an employee for so many years to being the entrepreneur, being my own business owner. So it took some adjustment. Yeah, I bet that it did. I bet it took a lot of adjustment because really you were stepping out of every paradigm that you had grown up in. I mean, and that's just you go to school, get your education, get this good job. And here you come out of school with all this education and and all that comes along with that. And you can't find work. How disappointing that must have been, because wait a second, A leads to B leads to C leads yeah. to uh, you know, Scooby-Doo look. I love that. Yeah. I hope you don't mind. I'll give you credit for it. But <laughs> I love that uh, because I think we can all feel that way. Like, wait a minute. This isn't what I expected. So right. you're bold enough to up and leave and, and, and move west. And then you said that you end up serving a long period of time in the military. So I want to thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. You're welcome your service to our nation and to the world, really, uh, that's that's a big step. But here you are again, have a, this incredible degree, and now you are serving in the military. Was that a Scooby-Doo moment for you too? Like, how did I end up here? <laughs> yes, it was, because I'm actually an Air Force brat, so I'm third generation military. My maternal grandfather, he retired from the Air Force. My dad retired to, from the Air Force. And so wow. me and my siblings, we were like, we are not going into the military. There's no way. There's no how. You know, the moving and having to make new friends. And the opportunity just came where I was able to do that. And I was still able to practice in the field that I went to school for, public health. And so it opened up doors and I met some incredible people, worked on some incredible initiatives, you know, policy, legislation. And so it really rounded out that career in public health. Wow. Wow. So can you remember any off the top of your head, any of those exciting people or exciting policies that you were involved in? One of the things we were involved in, being in a policy office, we had a lot of initiatives 
coming up to be reauthorized. So we would spend a lot of time at Capitol Hill meeting with senators, meeting with their staffers to, you know, give them talking points for them to sponsor certain bills. And so that was very interesting to see how it all came together at the federal level, because I had worked for other governments. I'd worked for the state government, you know, in public health, the county government and public health. So when you're at the federal level, you put it all together. And then, you know, the state, the county, the city, it flows down like that. So mm-hmm. it was really great to see how it comes together. And my friends would call me, they'd be like, well, Nicolette, you know, why this, this? I said, you all have no idea. By the time you all see the policy, what's in place, it has been sliced and diced so many times. I would write policies. And I remember my very first policy I wrote, um, one of the directors of one of the offices, he was like, Nicolette, by the time you get your um, paper back, you may recognize one or two of your own sentences, because by the time we get a hold to it, we're going to change this, change that. And sure enough, out of a three-page document, I only recognized two of my original sentences. So it was really interesting to see how they put their own perspective in there. I mean, you know, they were old school. They did it all by hand. So you saw these red marks and, you know, them rewriting sentences. But it was fascinating to see it come together. You have really led a rich and broad life. You've had a lot of experiences from school, military, um, working um, on Capitol Hill experiencing all of this and then uh, coming back to your statement of um that there is something more <laughs> there's just some added things yes wow so you retire from doing that where many people would go i've retired i'm done and let's you know just whatever that looks like to each individual but you are like mm, no there's more So you end up embarking on a business. So you've retired, but now you have a business, which again, you said the Scooby-Doo look, right? Like you weren't expecting a business, I assume. No, ma'am. Again, you know, I came from the generation where we were taught to, you know, get a good government job. You know, my grandparents talked about it. My parents talked about it. So that's what we did. You know, some of my you know, aunts and uncles, my mother's siblings, a lot of them went into the military. We, we've had people in every branch but the Marines. But the rest of us, we're like, okay, we're going to get those good government jobs and we're going to do our 30 years and retire. And so the business aspect, it just blew me away because I never imagined myself as an entrepreneur, you know, a business owner, where I'm in charge of the decisions on how my business is going to go, what services we're going to offer how we're going to offer them. It was so much that it was just like, really, this is what being a business owner is about? That must have been just shocking. I'm just trying to like see your face in that moment when you hear from heaven, you're going to have a business. You're going to do what you've been doing for free. And then you're like, what? (laughs) Yes, yes. It has been so successful. And Wow, all of those years, all of those different experiences, like I said, your life has been so rich and full. And now at this age and this time, 
God has chosen to like funnel all of that into what you're doing, teaching others and empowering others, inspiring others, but you also write. And yes. I would love to hear you share your writing journey because you are one of the co-authors in Undefeated, but you yes. also have your own book and there's a cool connection there between your book, your very own book and Undefeated. So can you share with us some of your writing journey now? I can't wait to hear what this is going to sound like. Take it away. <laughs> sure, Pamela. Pretty much the type type of work that I did, you know, like I said, I did a lot of writing. I, you know, wrote policies. I would write talking points for the director, you know, white papers. So writing was just part of what I, you know, considered my career. And so my daughter, she's my biggest cheerleader. She had been telling me for years. She's like, Ma, you need to write your own book. You need to tell your story. I'm like, no, nobody wants to hear what I got to say. My life is regular, you know, like other people's. And I mean, she kept at it. She kept at it. So about in 2018, I started writing a book. And then when I got to painful parts, I would just put it away. And then months would go by. I'd pick it back up. I'd write some more. Got painful. I put it away. And then in 2021, last year, a friend of mine uh, who is a lawyer, she would always send me stuff like to edit, you know, things that she writes. And so she sent me actually um, a chapter in a book she was writing to edit. So I'm editing it and I hear God say, you're editing so-and-so's chapter, but you ain't finished your own book. I finished editing her chapter so quick and sent it back to her. And I put pen to paper and I finished that book in two weeks. So Otherwise, it probably would be sitting, you know, and I'd write a little and put it away. But that's, you know, the journey. It was really, you know, God telling me, you know, you need to write your story. Otherwise, it would have just sat there, you know, in a notebook and being unfinished. Oh, my gosh. So literally, it's like God put a fire under your feet and you zipped that book out in two weeks. Did yes. you did you eat? <laughs> you sleep? How did that happen? Yes. You know, I'm like a night person. One of my friends is like, oh, Nicolette, you do third shift because I stay up late. So when the house was quiet, that's when I started writing. And so when, you know, my pen hits the paper, it's just something that, you know, happens and God has given me the grace to be able to write. And so that's how I was able to get it out so quickly because it was like, you know, Something was on me, you know, finish this, finish this. And so that's what I did. And one thing I did realize with the book is, you know, if you're talking about painful topics, you have to push through that pain because your pain can be someone else's purpose. I really see that now. Wow. Your pain can be someone else's purpose. And you say that you can see that now. Talk about that. What do you mean you can see that now? How cool is that? Well, writing the book, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, this is a painful part of, you know, an episode in life. You know, do I want to talk about it or it's hard to put it in words? And so like I said, I would put the, you know, notebook aside for a few months and then it's like, OK, let's go back and, you know, 
forge forward. But after looking at it and people buying the book and commenting on, wow, I didn't know, you know, this happens or, oh, wow, why didn't you tell me? And I told one of my friends, I said, this is not something you would say, you know, during lunch or in the break room, you know, oh, this happened to me. I'm like, that's not something you would discuss at work. But my book pretty much is, you know, fiction wrapped in truth. It is, you know, largely based on my life, but I just fictionalized it because I didn't want some folks coming back like, um, Nike, you talking about me, I want some money. So I was like, let me change names, you know, make it fiction. So y'all can't say it's me. Certain friends I did send the book to and I was like, okay, you're in chapter 12 or you're in chapter nine, something like that. And so, you know, we just laughed about it, but other folks, you know, I didn't want them to get upset but it was pretty much my story. Mm. And so that's something that, you know, God wanted me to get across, you know, your pain is someone else's purpose because what you went through that can help someone else who's gone through that or is going through that similar thing. And so that was when, you know, the dots connected and I was like, Oh, wow, this is why you had me write this book. Yeah. Was that rewarding for you? to hear from others that your book was helping them uh, to, to actually see that your pain was some was helping somebody else? Yes, it was, Pamela, because, you know, some friends I sent the book to because I'm like, you're in this chapter, this chapter. And they were coming back and they were just like, you know, why didn't you tell me? And I'm just like, you don't tell those kind of things. And especially, you know, in the culture I grew up in, you know, you didn't tell about certain things. And, you know, we have a saying, um, I don't know if the white culture talks about this, but in the black American culture, we were taught what goes on in the house stays in the house. So you don't tell what goes on in the house. And so that was one thing that I had to change my mindset on to talk about things that normally aren't talked about. You know, people would be like, shh, or don't you dare write about this. And so that was liberating to me because it's my story. No one can tell my story better than I can. And so by me telling my story, it liberated me from things that happened in the past. And it also showed me, you know, how this, you know, pain, how this trauma, you know, pushed me forward into being the perfect person, you know, going into the purpose that God has called me for. So it's interesting to see it hindsight, but while you're in it, you can't see it. So true. It's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame, right? That's yeah. absolutely it. I love something that you said, well, everything that you said, but um, I really like it how you talked about that statement in culture about what happens in the house stays in the house. And, and I can't speak across all, you know, uh, all cultures here, I can speak in my family and, and, you know, my going up into the generations before me, that there was always that thing, that there were just certain things. Yes. You know, and not always like really bad things, you know, it was just, there was just certain things. Some of them were bad and others where we just don't, like, I can remember my grandfather always, um, you know, getting pretty, pretty, drunk and um then his german side would come out he when when he was loaded he'd just start going off in german and we didn't know what he was saying and and immediately it was send the kids send the kids to the basement 
send the kids to the basement. Mm-hmm. And and nobody talked about why right. grandpa was doing what he did. And and it was so many years later that I found out. And ha- you know, and it wasn't that I couldn't have handled it. It was just those things we didn't talk about. Grandpa had been right. in World War II and mm-hmm. had a purple heart and a bronze star. He had seen a lot. He was a captain. Uh, you know, was at Normandy. Uh, you know, I mean, there was just a lot that he endured and went through. And anyways, we were not communicated to all about that. It was just, you know, grandpa's go get in the basement, you know, and then we were sent down there to play and, and stay there until grandpa was sleeping on the couch and then we could come back up again. So I can relate to that in a, in a sense. And what I was thinking about was, how you turned your story into a into a novel into an into a fictional story and if i was ever going to write something about like that period of my life writing it fictional would still be keeping within that family statement of what what stays what's happening here stays here because you're not like you said putting and this is me and this is this is you know so and so and this is uncle so and so and auntie so and so and this is the neighbors you know Susie and Bob right. or whatever you still kept that tradition which I think is so beautiful and yet you were able to vent and put it out there and 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 probably uh heal through it yourself and then as you said that pain becoming that catalyst of for somebody else to be set free what beautiful tapestry the lord gave you to be able to continue that part of your family's heritage of like we just keep that here and yet you to be able to venture out and say no Yes. No, I'm going to, I'm going to share, but do it in such a beautiful way. Like, yeah, like that word tapestry comes up in my heart again. That is really powerful. When you were writing it and it was flowing out of you, which obviously it was to just write that type of a story in fictional uh, with the characters and the creation, you had to be under the hand of God, the anointing to be able to write all of that. When it was all done and you're like getting ready to publish it, were you fearful at all that family or friends, even though it was fictional, that they might be saying, hey, hey, you're not keeping it in the house? <laughs> no, not really. Because again, you know, my pain was someone else's purpose. And again, it's my story. Who can tell my story better than me? If you're a part of the story, you're a part of it, but it is my story. And so that was the thing I was focusing on. And also I knew that the majority of my family, they weren't going to buy the book. We have to be honest when you're, you know, selling services or you're selling books. Unfortunately, you don't get the support from your friends and family that you do from strangers who don't know you. So I wasn't worried about that. The only person's that I was worried about was my brother and, you know, my husband and daughter because of some parts of the book. But I wrote it in such a way that they're not main characters. You know, the main character, a lot of stuff focuses around her. So, again, you know, I just had to, you know, be obedient to God and put out there 
what he told me to. And so, you know, he also told me it was going to be a series. So this is just book one. I have two more. I have two more to put out because pretty much I'll just show you a copy of the book. It's called Little Black Girl from the Beach, A Wake Up Call from God. And so it talks about the main character, Denise or Nisi, as she's called, and her journey through life, how she dealt with a childhood trauma, a handicap as a child, you know, friendship issues. You know, we all have those issues, you know, with friends, you know, trying to do the, you know, work, school, family, you know, life balance thing. And then her downward spiral into drugs and how she ended up giving her life to Christ in a hotel room. And so it pretty much ends there. And so, you know, the next one we'll talk about, okay, Denise is saved now. You know, what does she do with this, you know, newfound Christianity? And so this is how it's going to develop. And again, you know, it's fiction wrapped in truth. And, you know, it was just a way for me to put it out there without naming myself, without, you know, really naming other people. And what I did was took a chapter from that book and put it in Kern's Undefeated Anthology. And so I just, you know, gave, you know, a good snippet of one of the chapters. And the title of my chapter is Undefeated by Childhood Trauma. And so I talk about being molested as a child when my family and I lived overseas in the Philippines, you know, in the early 70s. And, you know, my brother and I were molested by our babysitter, who was a teenager herself. And so that went on for like two years. And so um, this is not in the book, but it got to the point where, you know, it was so traumatic for me. I just suppressed it. And it came out like 30 years later, and it was a big stinking mess. You know, when you push something down, push something down, and finally, you know, it can't go any further. What is it going to do? It's going to pop back up. And that's what it did. And so, you know, it led me into a mental health crisis. And so, you know, I had to end up getting intense therapy. It, it was, you know, a real big, you know, deal for me to come back from something that happened like 30 years ago and recognize what it was. It wasn't right. It wasn't my fault. And how to move forward from that trauma to be a whole you know, wife, to be a whole mother, to be a whole me. And so it was a process of several years with intense therapy to recognize, you know, that I'm valuable, you know, that I am an overcomer. And so that's what pushes me to tell my story, to do my business, because I want people to overcome those, you know, stigmas they may have like, oh, you know, I'm not smart enough to, you know, interview. I can't get these questions right. Or I don't know how to do a resume. I want them to overcome those fears they have because I want them to be prepared to show their best selves to other. And so I want to give back because I didn't get that. I had to go to the library and, you know, the World Wide Web wasn't invented when I was in college. So I had to go to the library and look at books about interviewing, look at books about writing a resume. And so it was a, over years that I became the interviewologist, as some of my friends call me. But it took practice. You know, I just didn't. OK, now I know this it's going to work. I mean, by the time I finished grad school, 
I was more confident and competent in how I interviewed, but there was still a component that I was missing. And so I ended up finding that component a few years later, which was you had to target your resume to a particular job. And so once I got that down, I started seeing more results in terms of getting interviews, you know, going to the second round, being one of the finalists and friends and family. They started coming to me for that same help. People were even referring other people, you know, their friends to me. And so like I said, I did it for free for over 25 years. And then it came to a point last year where God was like, no, I want you to start your own business. So, you know, I give them a few Scooby-Doo looks like. Ah. And so that's what, you know, bought all this, you know, into play. You know, God saying, no, you can give to people, but I want you to get paid for it. You put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, knowledge and skill in it to you need to reap those benefits now. What a beautiful story. Your life is just amazing. <laughs> and wow. I don't think so. And, you know, my daughter's like, oh, Ma, you don't give me credit. I give my daughter, Alicia Nicole, all the credit for pushing me to write that book because I never would have. And, you know, if God wouldn't have, you know, prodded me, I wouldn't have finished it. And so I'm glad to be able to help people to see that you can overcome, you know, childhood trauma, you can overcome, you know, a childhood disability, friendship issues, you know, family life balance, you can overcome those things. But the one thing I really want to put in place is I didn't realize how I can do that until I accepted Christ into my life, because I was trying to do all this stuff in my own strength. And then sometimes I would have to go back and repeat the lesson or it seemed like I was just running on the hamster wheel and it was like, you know, when am I going to get off? But once I had him in place and I started yielding control to him, that's when I saw things really open up, really, you know, the grace of God, you know, coming on my life in certain areas. And so it's really a submission, a surrender of my will to his will. And so that's really how I can express it because if you don't let him take control, you're going to mess it up. I mean, you and I have both been there. Oh, I'm going to do this myself. And then it turns into a hot mess and you're going, um, Jesus, can you help me? Cause you know, I done messed it up. So, you know, it's, you know, I've been saved for like almost 19 years now. So I know what it is to, I say BS before saved, and then I say AS after saved. So I know what the BS is, and I know what the AS is, and the AS is a lot better. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you're right. Once you come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when you realize that you need that forgiveness, and that, come on, we just need help, <laughs> help. Yes. Like everything turns around. And I think that's significant that you made that point. You knew before then, before you came to that moment where you accepted Christ, that there were things that needed fixing. There was stuff to be dealt with. And you weren't denying that. You were doing your best, it sounds like, to do that and making headway 
and then, you know, a setback and then some headway and a setback, or maybe you made headway, but it just didn't feel like it in your heart. But when you came to that place where you accepted Christ, um, it's like all the puzzle pieces fall into place. Yes. I, I mean, yeah. I like her stuff in my mind, like click and it's like, oh, wow. So it, it's totally different when, yeah. you know, and I grew up in church. Um, and person I met years ago, he was like, oh, you're a drug addict, too. And I was like, he was like, oh, you grew up in church and you were drugged back and forth to different events. You know, you're in the kids choir, all this stuff. Sunday school. I was like, yes, I was a drug addict, too. So, you know, growing up and then when I went off to college, I was like, free at last, free at last. You know, I don't have to go to church. I, you know, don't have a curfew. And so that's where I drifted away. And, you know, God had to give me a wake up call to tell me, mm -mm, you doing it in Nicolette's strength is not going to work. You have to do it in my strength. And that's the only way. And the only way you can do it in my strength is you have to accept my son, Jesus, into your life, into your heart. And so it's a win win for all of us. You know, me, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. So I definitely you know, thank God for, you know, letting that childhood trauma come to light where I had nowhere else to turn but to him. Uh, you know, I tried masking it with drugs. You know, marijuana was my drug of choice. You, you couldn't tell me it wasn't the end all be all. But what it was doing was just helping me mask a problem, mask, you know, a cry for help, mask that my life wasn't going that great. And so I say, God really had to give me a wake up call where I was on my knees at the end of a bed in a hotel room, you know, crying out to God, you know, tears, snot running down your face. My husband is in the bed out cold. He didn't know nothing that was going on. And so, you know, that's where it took me. I mean, it was a total breakdown of Nicolette and a total reemergence of Nicolette now with Christ. So best decision I ever made in my life. You know, and hindsight always is 2020, isn't it? Like it, it yes. always is. As you're sharing this and this is all evolving, like, okay. So that's why, as you said, your friend call you the interviewologist. Is that right? Did I say yes, it right? <laughs> Yes. So you were being, if you had been launched into that as the interviewologist 27 years ago, even though you had those giftings and those talents, you hadn't come to Christ, right? No. It was all in your, um, in your strength and not being backed by his strength. Yes. And now... 20 years later for you, you have been walking with God, being trained by him and him taking all of that, every situation, everything that you went through. And now it's all being, there's that word tapestry again, being woven together in this beautiful tapestry. And now everything that went on in you is now being manifest through you to help so many other people from the writing of your story, speaking about it, having your own business. And even that, I just want to point out that 
you know, all those years of you going to the library and trying to figure out what to wear, how to stand, what to, how to ask questions, how to answer the questions, where to look, what do I do? You know, all these things and all of the research you did about fine tuning that resume, all these things that you learned, you really came full circle now in the, in the area of now you're taking what you've learned and implementing it for somebody else. And it is not a coincidence that all of that happened, boom, after you accepted Christ. Yes. And it's really, I mean, I give all glory and credit to God because you're right. I couldn't do what I do now if I didn't have his backing, you know, before. And even if I would have had the business, say, 20 years ago, I don't think it would have been successful because, I wasn't putting me in it per se. It was me, but it wasn't me. I call it with a twist, me with the Christ twist. And so it would have been probably to the point where I probably would have been frustrated, like, ah, you know, these people aren't paying me or, oh, this is too hard running a business. And I would have just gave it up. Now I have the patience. I have the blueprints from God where I know this is how I need to move in this way, this season, this time. And so I'm walking step for step, you know, God walks, I'm walking right behind him. And so I think that's really important when you're in sync with God, then things will go how he wants them to, not how I want them to. And he'll give you the, you know, the downloads on how he wants you to move in this particular area. Absolutely. (laughs) And your life, my friend, is a testimony of that. He will like show you how to do it and you can look back and see how he's moved you from A to B to C. And here you are today. Wow. Giving back into not just only one community, but multiple communities just in the loan that you are having a business. You're the interviewologist. You're an author. You're a speaker. You are, you have the military background. You're a wife of 35 years. So I would say all of that stuff that happened that um, you could say the enemy meant to do you harm. God turned it around for good because 35 years, I applaud you. You are a mom and a grandmother. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What a life story you have and what you're doing with it powerful powerful oh this is amazing i'm so glad that you came on this platform because you're really a miracle and your story matters and your voice matters and you're sharing it and it's a powerful tool in the hands of god your your life and so before we wrap up is there anything else that you didn't get to touch on that you want to make sure that you do and then make sure you tell everybody where to get the books, like your book, and then Undefeated. How do they follow you? How do they, how do they get you to become their interviewologist? Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Pamela, for the invitation, the time to be on your show, and just to share a little snippet about who Nicolette is. One thing I want to leave with people is. You have a story that is unique to you and only you can tell it, you know, break off the chains of fear and self-doubt to tell the story that 
will be your pain, but someone else's purpose. And also I can be reached at my website, which is www.nikehspeaks, N-I-K-E-H is in henryspeaks.com. Or you can email me at info at nikehspeaks.com. Or you can reach out to me and give me a text or a call at 843-631-8800. And my books are on Amazon, amazon amazon.com forward slash author forward slash in Hemingway. And I have three books out there. You can definitely purchase any of the books, two are faith-based. And the other one is about interviewing. And I guess current beyond later on to tell you all how to access the undefeated anthology because it'll be released soon. Oh my gosh, Nicolette, this has been just a gift to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and being so transparent and being real. Um, I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much, Pamela, for the invitation. I think people know if you're upfront, you're transparent and honest with them, that they can connect with you. Why am I going to fake it? My life was not always sunshine and roses. So I'm going to tell you so you can know, hey, maybe I don't need to do this or, oh, she went through it too. And so I see that, you know, she didn't let it overcome her. She's undefeated by it. So that's, you know, what I'd like to end with. I love it. She's undefeated. And so are you, everybody that is watching and listening. You are undefeated. I believe that Nicolette's story has empowered you and inspired you to keep going. And I so do us a favor, as Mr. Les Brown, my mentor, says, like it and share it like it and share it okay yes so once you do that you like it and share it you're sending this on and paying it forward if this has been a blessing to you share it you can send it in an email you can send it in a messenger message you can post it on your facebook there's so many ways to get the message out there but let's help take messages like nicolette's around the world Thank you for showing up here and being a part of this episode. I believe you have been empowered and changed. And remember, you are here on purpose with a purpose by design, not by default. Go on out there and be the salt and the light everywhere you go. Ascend Above the Crowd is the newest course by Pamela Hinkle. Ascend is a self-paced email course that will come directly to your inbox and will change your mindset and your life. Each week, you will receive lessons, resources, challenges, and journal writings that will help you discover your purpose by design. It's your time to ascend above the crowd. To learn more about Ascend, go to www purposewithpamela.com forward slash ascend.
Pamela Hankel is a mindset mentor, author, speaker, minister, and transformation coach. Her weekly podcast, international radio show, and television show are a lifeline that changes lives and inspires people to discover their individual potential through realizing their purpose by design. Pamela is a natural motivator and has shown many how to find their niche and transform their lives. Although success is an uphill battle, Pamela gives the necessary strategies to flourish, cheering you on every step of the way. Pamela shares from her personal experiences, education, and life as a woman in leadership, utilizing decades of knowledge, taking the approach of, let's have coffee and chat. She will awaken your dreams and purpose by design. Are you ready for Pamela to help guide you? Email us at purposewpamela.office at gmail.com or go to her website at purposewithpamela.com.